Welcome to Recovery Talks, a Fairbanks podcast where experts from Fairbanks Treatment and Recovery Center, located in Indianapolis, Indiana, take time to discuss unique aspects of addiction, substance use disorder, and recovery, as well as other relevant issues with our guests. I'm your host, Kathleen Gill. I've worked at Fairbanks since 2007, and more importantly, I am a woman proudly living in recovery, which means I have not picked up a drink or a drug since 2000. Today on Recovery Talks, we're talking about recovery transition programs. We're joined by John Adams, the director of Supported Living Programs at Fairbanks Treatment and Recovery Center, otherwise known as SLP. John, thank you so much for being here with us today. Hi, Kathleen. Happy to be here. So, John, you and I have known each other for a long time. Tell us a little bit about uh, how you became acquainted with Fairbanks and when you began working there. Well, it's a pretty good story, um, and it could be a long story, but I am also a person in long-term recovery. Um, I have not had a drink since January 21st, 2011. Congratulations. Thank you. And um, part of that journey started at Fairbanks. Uh, The long and the short of it is uh, Fairbanks saved my life. I did go to the IOP treatment program, but one of the things that I wanted to do and had to do um, was give back um, some of my time to volunteer work, which is where I met you. Yes, indeed. Um, And I spent lots and lots of hours for a year or two um, volunteering in the coffee shop. I worked in the gym. Um, I cleaned the entire place with Ricky. And to be completely honest with you, at that time in my life, things were not going great. And that was the one time and place where I felt safe. And I know I've told you that. I call it my safe place. Past when I when I cut back on my volunteering, I still came <laughs> to the recovery center because, again, it was a safe place where, I mean, sometimes I could sit and work, I'd grab coffee, um, and just catch up with everybody. But um, fast forwarding a little bit, one thing, I, I, I own my own business um, in the recruiting world, and, and, and I did that and was relatively successful for a number of years, but I had a nagging feeling that I wasn't doing what I probably should be doing. And again, to fast forward, I finally um, made a commitment um, to get involved in the recovery world and uh, an opportunity presented itself at Fairbanks um, for this manager position for SLP, again, Supportive Living Program. Um, Long story short, I was offered the job. I took the job and um, here we are a year later. Fantastic. And you also served on the board of Fairbanks for a period of time, didn't you? That's right. Yes. I actually was, I actually started, um, after volunteering, I got uh, involved in, in the board committees, um, the development committee and a couple others. I was the chairperson of Circle of Hope um, for three years. And then after that, I was, I was on the board for about a year 
And then I had to resign from the board because I accepted a position at Fairbanks. So you have, I love how you have stayed connected and plugged in and we would see you sitting there doing, bringing your laptop into the Fresh Start Cafe, which uh, you've seen a lot of different aspects of, of Fairbanks. So tell our audience about Fairbanks's Fairbanks Supported Living Program. So Fairbanks SLP is is a hidden gem within the Fairbanks spectrum of care. Supportive Living Program is a program for men and women in early recovery, and ultimately it provides a uh, middle ground for those um, men and women before they go back to um, sort of what we call real life. It's almost real life, but there's there's a little cushion there. Um, in that we provide them unquestionable love and support throughout whatever it is that they're going through. They may have setbacks while they're with us, and that's okay. We will continue to support them, but we will not enable them. And that happens a lot when they go back to right back to where they come from. Something that we say in the program is, uh, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And a lot of these people, if not all of them, need to make changes immediately. And we provide that to them. So multiple levels of care within Fairbanks. Uh, when they come through the access department, uh, they are uh, they work with a uh, counselor and determine what level of care that they can come in. Um Many people are admitted into the detox level of care, which is about a five to eight day program, depending on um, their insurance and uh, what they are detoxing from. And then after that, um, how do you determine if a client is appropriate for supportive living program with Fairbanks? Yeah, that's a good question. I'll add that there's 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 a couple different ways that people can come into SLP. One is, as you mentioned, through our inpatient program. And the, in the simple way there is that um, we have a face-to-face interview uh, with the, the potential resident um, as to um, whether or not they're appropriate. And part of that is there are certain physical um, or medical requirements that we may not be able to meet, but that's very, very rare. Um, ultimately we want to find out whether or not they are ready to work on this issue. Assuming that they are, we generally accept them into our program. The other way that they can come in is not through our, they could come from someone else's inpatient, um, program or, or no inpatient program at all. Um, we, the, the steps after inpatient are intensive outpatient, um, uh, which is actually preceded by partial hospitalization program. Anybody in those programs is eligible to be an SLP resident. Okay. What about somebody who's not in one of those programs? If they're not in one of those programs, we would encourage those people to get into those programs. Okay. If they don't require... Um, inpatient detox on any level. Um, if they're not in one of our programs, again, PHP or IOP, I sure hope they get into someone's program. Um, now, when they are in those programs, 
especially if they are from, or if they're not from Indianapolis, they could be from South Bend, Bloomington, Evansville, Ohio, Wisconsin, or whatever the case may be, we provide a place for them to live that's nearby so that they can go to those programs day in and day out and complete the program, if you will. What are some other areas where you see uh, people utilizing this particular service? Maybe at their home, it's a unsafe place. Maybe there's somebody that's using or somebody like that. A lot of times it's a great opportunity for these clients to live somewhere else. It gives them an opportunity to not go back to what they came from. You got to change people, places and things. Um, We give them that opportunity. Also, if they do go home and there is someone at their home who is um, using drugs or alcohol, it's obviously a really bad situation for that person. It it's, it's promotes relapse, you know, quite a bit. Right. And when they come to SLP, not only are they getting away from a potentially toxic environment, but they're entering into a supportive environment of people going through exactly what they're going through. And as we, as you know, um, as a recovering, um, addict, or, or you don't even have to be uh, in recovery to know that when you are with people that are trying to do the same thing you are doing, it's usually tends to be more successful. And that's the whole idea. Right. Is the community. So how many residents can you, uh, house there? Yeah, we can, we can house up to 68 people total. Um, we have a men's community. That's about two thirds of that. Oh, uh, women's community. That's about a third of that, which reflects the addiction percentages worldwide. Okay. What are some of the requirements, uh, for being at SLP? Yeah. Good question. Um, this is not a lockdown facility. It is a, what people think of as a halfway house. And so to be part of our community, you do have to do uh, a number of things to to stay there. One of the one of the thing one of the big things, and it's hugely important, is that you have to get a sponsor, and you have to get a sponsor quick. And that's within the first ten days. We like to keep our residents very busy the first couple weeks. Okay, so they have to go to nine twelve step meetings a week for their first two weeks, and then after that they have to go to five meetings a week. Every week they live with us. Those are verified also. Um, They take sheets with them. They are signed um, by the meeting organizers and they're brought back for approval. Um, Everybody needs, everybody has a curfew. We have a curfew 10 o'clock every night during the week and midnight during the, um, uh, the weekends. Back to the meetings. We, we have two vans and we provide transportation to our residents to those meetings every single day, twice on Saturday, twice on Sunday. Further, we utilize those vans to take our residents to their programming every day. So we will run them from our apartment complex over to Fairbanks to make sure we have no barriers to them getting to the treatment that they've, that they need. That I'm sure is very yeah. useful. Yeah. And especially you got to think that a lot of people that, that, that come to live with us um, have lost their license or they've lost the ability to afford a car. There's a lot of different 
um, reasons why people don't have cars. Listen, they come, people don't show up to Fairbanks or to SLP in great condition. That's just a fact. They generally um, have gotten pretty low. They've gotten low enough to the point to realize that they need to go to a rehab facility. So we're trying to build them up and we try to give them what they need to get to where they need to be. Or what I say is, you know, get to be the person you were supposed to be, Mm -hmm. you know. What about requirement to have a job? So, so technically you don't have to have a job, but I want to make it clear that we um, absolutely feel that it's essential that you do have a job. Now, the reason I say you don't have to have a job, some people are on disability. Some people don't have the ability to work a normal job for, for, for a lot of times it's physical reasons. Sure. Okay. So, but anybody that is able-bodied, they are working. However, most people come in and they are in our PHP program, which is a three-week, nine-to-four everyday program. Also, remember, we keep them really busy for the first two weeks. So the focus is absolutely on recovery. And frankly, it's very difficult to get a job in those first three weeks. However, we work with them during those three weeks to make sure that we're getting applications out, we're setting up interviews, et cetera, et cetera, so that when week four rolls around, you're ready to go. And I can say, I can proudly say that almost everyone that lives with us is working right now um, and um, consistently. Fabulous. So um, you mentioned that you work with them on getting the jobs and getting applications out. Um, The disease of addiction often stunts one's developmental growth as to when they started using. What other kind of life skills do you work with your clients on? Well, I'll tell you, all of SLP is a lesson in life skills. So it's not a, we don't have a specific life skills class. The whole of SLP from start to finish is a, is a lesson in life skills. They have to make their beds. They can't sleep on the couch because that's what we did when we were in addiction. Mm. They sleep regular hours. You know, you go to bed at 10, you get up at six or eight or whatever, and you go to work or you go to your program. We throw our trash away. We have a food pantry that we provide to our residents. Mm -hmm. So we teach them. Say We have this whole uh, room full of food for you all. We say, take what you need, leave what you don't. We work with them on uh, relationships, what appropriate relationships look like. Relationships in general are one of the biggest triggers and one of the hardest things to do as we adult. Um, Yeah. And so, and one of the, um, you know, certainly things, relationships absolutely cause triggers and can throw you back into wanting to throw it all away and not have to deal with that. And so uh, any kind of work on relationship, I think that's what this journey is about, is how do we deal with life on life's terms? Well, our, our, our relationships in addiction are, are littered with unhealthy relationships. And sometimes what happens is 
when two people are are newly clean or sober and they've come through a, a really traumatic period, it just feels really good to know that someone else is going through the same thing you are going through, which is not always the most appropriate or healthy way to start a relationship. And that's something that that we try to teach our men and women to, again, build healthy relationships, trusting relationships, um, not based on what can you do for me, um, those types of relationships. And I'll tell you, that's really difficult because it's a really hard time of life. Sure. Yeah. So um, what is typical duration of your resident stay? That's, that's a good question. So the answer is we don't have a minimum stay or a maximum stay. What I'll say, though, is that in my research, what I've looked at um, in my time here is that three to six months um, is the time period that works best or is most successful for our residents. Everybody has a different story. And so that's not, it doesn't have to be that for everyone. Um, we have a couple of people that have been with us for more than a year. I don't necessarily suggest that. I think at some point you need to move on. But for him, where he is, that's the right thing. Some people just need to get through their programming. PHP, then IOP. So maybe it's three weeks or six weeks or nine weeks. Ultimately, ultimately, all we care about is that people leave with tools and they leave clean and they leave and they leave sober and they stay that way. What about insurance? Does insurance cover residential stays? That's a great question too. Um, so no, insurance does not cover our residents that live at SLP. SLP is paid for out of pocket. It is what would be deter it would be considered a peer run um, service. Um, one thing that that I'm so grateful for are donors that have contributed to Fairbanks to help offset that cost for our residents, where we can offer them a percentage discount on what it what it really costs. So at SLP, you have case managers that work with the clients. Well, tell me a little bit about what their job is with yeah. them. That's one of the best things that we offer. It's key to our services. So we have, let's say we have 60 people that live with us, 40 are men, 20 are women. Those 40 men each have a coordinator. Now, there aren't 40 coordinators. There's two coordinators that split up the bulk of the, the men's community. And then we have one female coordinator that runs our, our female community. And so this is what I tell not only our coordinators, but our incoming residents is that this coordinator is your go-to guy or your go-to woman. They are there to support you. They are there to help you get to where you need to go. I want you to talk to them about everything. If you're having issues with your roommates, I want you to talk to your coordinator. If you're having recovery questions, issues, those coordinators are responsible for support, um, but they're also their number one accountability partner. So if they're not doing things right, we're gonna they're going to hold them accountable. If they're doing things right, we're going to praise that as well. A lot of people that come to SLP are used to authority figures looking down upon them, judging them. 
And what I've tried to do is flip that to where we're their partner. We're, we're there for them. They're not there for us, right? I think that's helped a lot with the relationships and their openness to come speak with us. We also have resident managers and they live on site so that um, when, when the coordinators and myself, when we leave for the day, they're the contact off hour, so to speak. They also do checks at night and in the morning, every night and every morning to make sure everybody's okay, everybody where, is where they're supposed to be. Are drug screens a requirement at your facility? Uh, drug screens are random. We, they know that before they come in. Okay. Um, and, and actually, most people want that to hold them accountable. So yes, we do it randomly and targetedly. That's interesting because, you know, that kind of separates those who maybe have to be there in that environment. Uh, I can imagine a lot of your residents really don't want to have drug screens, but for somebody who really desires success with their recovery, that is something that helps yeah. to hold them accountable. All of those, all of those aspects by having a curfew and having, um, you know, a, a requirement to keep your space tidy and a requirement to live with somebody and work on those relationships in the process of, um, of of establishing what recovery looks like. Those are all of life's challenges that uh, we're asked to uh, consider how we're going to show up for. It, so. And it's something that we haven't dealt with because we've been, we've been running away from it for so long. Right. Right. Tell me what your ideal candidate for SLP would look like. Because addiction, addiction can affect anyone. Um, I guess the profile would be someone that is really, really yearning to get their life back. Um, and they're willing to do whatever it takes. I'll say this too. Um, if you're not willing to do whatever it takes, it's likely not going to work. Mm -hmm. Um, and we, and we see that unfortunately. Sure. And, and you were talking about the aspect of relapse and and working in that environment, um, you know the percentages of success. Um, it's hard to it's hard to put a number on what it's really that hard to. Uh, percentage of success is, but um, you know more often than not, you see somebody come back through treatment where they have slipped up rather than the people who are succeeding, unless they stay connected to Fairbanks through volunteering or through alumni services or just to drop in and say hi, a lot of times we don't know the success stories. So um, it is wonderful when we get to hear those success stories and see those success stories and be witness to that. Um, tell me a little bit about the different activities w that you are doing to try to create a community and a bond and a, and the fellowship and um, those people that all live together, they are sharing in, in a journey and they're getting to know each other, whether it's riding on the van back and forth to programming or going to a 12-step meeting together, um, whether they're roommates with each other. What are the things that you're doing 
over at SLP to really create a family environment? This is my favorite thing. This is what it's all about is community, like-minded community. I use the word love a lot because it really is love um, and support and it's unconditional. So what are we doing to grow our community? And I am, uh, again, thank you to a, a gracious donor. Because of this donor, we've had the opportunity to expand our, what I would call, recovery enrichment. I don't think there's any other program, certainly not around here, that, that can offer their residents what we offer. We got to hire a person specifically in charge of recovery enrichment activities. On top of the meetings that we go to um, and riding the vans back and forth to programming, we have the ability to offer so many things. Um, we do yoga. We built a community room that's a safe place for our SLP residents, just like the recovery center is for all of Fairbanks. In fact, this is really cool. I'm going to, I mean, I could talk about this for hours. Go for it. We have a um, young lady who obviously has gone through some issues and has her, her children are in foster care, which is obviously not ideal, but she is working on herself and her addiction to get her children back into her life full time. Because we have this community room, we can provide her a space two hours, three times a week where she's allowed to spend time with her children and their DCS monitor. And we just leave that door open. And when she's done, she leaves. That didn't used to happen around the supportive living program. Back to what I was saying is we provide a yoga class, a 12 step recovery based yoga every week. Um, this weekend where they're going paintballing, um, we've been to Indians games. We went to a Pacers game. Uh, we've gone canoeing, kayaking. We've done a lot of great things. And, and the beauty of it is that we're doing it clean and sober. And they're getting a chance to remember what it was like to have fun, just to have fun, right? Yes. But here's the coolest part. Part of what we do is with these activities, we also offer opportunities to give back. And one of our one of the things that we do is we serve meals at Wheeler Mission. Fantastic. Um, and by far, the most popular thing we do is serve meals at Wheeler Mission. It's it's one hundred percent giving back, and these are people that are just trying to get their life back together, and they're going down and they're serving food. Right, comes it's a lot full of humility. Yeah, yeah, comes full circle, doesn't it? Yep. Yes, that is, uh, that's wonderful. And I know you guys have done a lot of work on um, creating more activities and ways. I, I know I see the van come over and people from SLP are cleaning up our yeah. parking lot yeah. on Friday that's afternoons. Right. And so whether it's uh, doing something out in nature or just giving back to the community at large, um, those are wonderful life skills. I agree. Um, I think for many people uh, that know personally the disease of addiction is one of the things that is the most frightening when you think of 
discontinuing use of alcohol or drugs is how in the world will I ever have fun? And so it is just critically important that they are getting to experience that. And it sounds like you guys are doing a great job at Supported Living Program. Good, clean fun. What do you think people should know about addiction in general? Well, addiction's a disease that's not going away. Addiction can happen to anybody, and it does happen to anybody. The good news is that that it can be treated. As far as I know, the bad news is it can't be cured. What we do is we stay close to it every day. And you and you know, you were making reference to this earlier, is that the further away that we as addicts get from those things that helped us stay clean, the closer we get to going back into addiction. And it's like treating um diabetes is a good example. You got you have to treat it every day. All you have to do is treat it every day. That's what works. Um and as long as we keep treating it every day, we're going to live the lives that we were supposed to live. I'm happy to say I am. It took a long time, but you know, I've had conversations with people this year um just talking about life and how things are and i like this is the first time i've ever been satisfied mm. you know like i'm not chasing it anymore which is amazing just to be okay yes and how wonderful that fairbanks offers a safe place in the supported living program where people can go to to continue to build a stronger foundation to stand on, um, to be with like-minded folks, to focus on that recovery, and to learn to learn that tool of looking at it every single day um, because there is a solution. Yeah, and I mean, supportive living is is an invaluable tool. And, and, you know, you ask, what else do I want people to know? The thing that I just thought of is I wish more people would take advantage of it. There are so many people um, that are struggling and um, trying to keep doing the same old thing, expect different results. Well, we're proving it every day that if you change what you're doing, you're going to see results. I had a mother call me. Her son has an addiction issue, and she was researching on where to send him, um, what programs offer, so on and so forth. Fairbanks was one of them. And she ended up calling me about our supportive living program. But the way that she got there was she went onto our website and listened to all of our podcasts. <laughs> yeah, and she said that it gave her the opportunity to hear – from people, and I think she may have even said friendly voices. Uh, seriously, this is not, you know, um, so it was essential in her, I, 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 I guess, choosing Fairbanks. If it just one person comes yes. because of what you did, or one person at SLP graduates and, you know, goes on to serve and, and stay, I mean, that's worth it. 
that is worth it. Yeah. Helping lives. And and that's such a misnomer working in addiction is that we're going to save the world. And sometimes it can be a really depressing environment. But when we see the lives that are changed from the work that we do, oh my gosh, that makes it all worth it. Yeah. So what we do is we're on the front lines and and we see addicts in recovery every day. And usually it's in early recovery. And we get caught up in the frustrations of relapse going the wrong direction. And what we tend to do and what I, I, I try to tell my team is don't focus on the people that, that are not making it. We've got, you know, a huge percentage of our people are making it. And want it, to make it. And they're doing the right things. Yes. What do you see as the biggest roadblock? Uh, mostly financial and pride. So financial is obvious. Some people don't have enough money. They may already be paying for an apartment. And now they got to pay for another apartment, essentially. Now, it's it's heavily discounted, but it still costs money. So that's one thing. But the other thing is that people are too proud. It's uh, it's a bias, right? They don't want to be seen as somebody that's had to live in a halfway house. And that still goes around, right? And we should be past that, but we're not. It's a healthy living environment. That's all it is. Yes. That they That they can't find elsewhere. Yes, it is uh, the the asking for help that is often so very difficult to be uh, right to to accept. You can't necessarily do it on your own. Yeah. So it's a good trans. You know, it's called a transitional living community. It is. It's transitional, and that's exactly what it is used for: is to transition from treatment into the recovery community and back into your. Um, living arrangements in the most healthy way possible. Yeah. And I mean, there's story after story after story of, of men and women that have gone through our program for however long and they come back and say hi and, and they are just killing it. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that's why we do it. That's why we do it. Yeah. It's, and, and that's how we started this out is, you know, if we can only touch one life along the way, that's fine. Then we have That's a win. one life. Yeah. Yes. John, thank you so very much for being with us today. Um, one of our taglines at Fairbanks is together we can. So I'm going to let you finish that sentence. Together we can what? Hmm. Together, together we can do just about anything. Together we can get you back to what you were supposed to be. Thank you very Thanks. much. This is fun. This has been Recovery Talks, a Fairbanks podcast. If you or a loved one needs support in the journey of recovery, the experts at Fairbanks Treatment and Recovery Center can help. Visit our website at fairbanksrecovery.org for recovery resources or call 800-225-HOPE for immediate help. Thank you for listening.